Well, hello everyone. We are here, and we are ready to go. Thank you for joining me today. New Hope Radio and the Hope Club Podcast. Oh yeah, we'd like to come your way on the radio, AM, FM, and through our podcast as well. That way you get the Word of God on demand whenever you want. Driving around, running errands, going to work, going home, hanging out, sitting on the patio, get your, get your headphones on. The Hope Club Podcast, we're there for you. Today we're going to begin a mini-series, four parts in all. We're going to take a look at a letter. Letters are nice. They're nice to receive, aren't they? And they're also good to write. They are. Are you a letter writer? Here's what's so good about a letter. A letter, kind of, it takes thinking, right? You got to think about what you're going to write. It takes time for the person that received it to read it. And if it's a nice letter, here it comes. It can be saved and then read again. That's the beauty of the New Testament. In the New Testament, we have some letters. And they were written with a lot of thought, a lot of, oh yeah, divine inspiration. Yes, they were. And we read them over and over and over again. Well, you know the Apostle Paul, right? I'm sure you heard of him. He uh, wrote many letters. Matter of fact, he wrote the letters, many of them that make up the New Testament. And um, he wrote these letters to churches, to early churches. You know, back in the first century when Christianity took off after the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus, the church age began, and um, Paul communicated with the churches that he planted. And he dealt with many, many issues. He talked about problems they were having and how to rectify certain things. But he also wrote a special letter to a church in Philippi. Now, Philippi was located in Greece. And unlike many of his other letters, it didn't deal much with issues or problems. You know what it was? It was a letter of encouragement, also a letter of love. And this is why. Paul loved the Philippians. Philippians are people that lived in Philippi. He loved them because they demonstrated their Christianity time and again. They were, con- I like this, they were consistent Christians. But that's the key, isn't it? To be consistent. Whatever you become consistent at, you're going to get good at it. And whatever you're not consistent at, you're not going to get that good. No? Not going to happen. Now, what these people did, they encouraged him. They even supported him financially, even though they didn't have much for themselves. So, beginning today, we're going to take one highlight from each chapter in the letter. And I think sometimes studying a letter this way helps us to retain what we hear and what we learn. We're going to see a picture of true teamwork in chapter 2. We're going to take a look at what is the true prize in chapter 3. Then we're going to see what is true contentment in chapter 4. But today, as we rip open the envelope and pull out the letter, chapter 1, Paul teaches us about 
True humility. Oh, that's a good, that's a good quality. Yes, it is. Paul opens his letter by identifying himself and then wishing God's grace upon them. Isn't it interesting? When we write letters today, we write the letter and then we put our name at the end. So like you're reading a letter and you don't even know who it's from until you flip to the end. But in those days, they had it right. The, 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 the writer of the letter put his name on top. So you know who wrote it and now you know what you're reading. I don't know how we got it backwards, but we do. So Paul identifies himself and he wishes God's grace upon them. And another interesting thing, he doesn't address himself as the apostle as he does in many of the other letters. He addresses himself as a bond servant of Jesus Christ. And that's because this is not a letter where he, where he has to exert his authority. Many of the other letters, he opens up, Paul, an apostle. Apostle signifies authority, one sent from God. But he didn't do that with the Philippians. He's not exerting his authority. He extols them and expresses his gratitude for them. Hey, do you think that's a good idea? To write letters to people to encourage them? Do you think we need that in this world today? You think there's a famine of encouragement? I do. I fail myself many times in encouraging people that deserve it or that need it. But maybe it's something we need to be more aware of. Encouragement goes a long way with people. It's like it's like that little bottle of high-test fuel that you put in a gas tank. You know, that octane booster. <laughs> That's what encouragement will do. It'll boost their octane. We all need it. We need to do it too. So Paul's memory of them, it gives him joy. And he tells them that. And he prays for them. Now, here's the interesting thing. Paul is writing from a Roman prison house. His life is like on hold, so to speak. He's in a Roman prison. But the prison wasn't a dungeon. It was more like an apartment guarded by Roman soldiers. He reminds them from this Roman prison apartment that God is working in their lives, talking to the Philippians, and he will finish the work that he began. Now, even though he's in jail, I want you to get this. Paul is still sensitive to other people. That's quite a trait. It's easy to be insensitive to others when you're in a bad place. Because when we're in a bad place, we make it all about us. Oh, how bad I feel. How bad I'm doing. How, ba- how much I don't like this. But with Paul, see, Paul could look beyond himself. He looked beyond his circumstances. He looked beyond who he was and where he was. And he focused on other people, the welfare of others. I can think of a couple of people like that. I can think of a young lady named Cindy in a nursing home, confined, can't get out, can't do much. But she is a blessing to so many people. She's optimistic. She's encouraging. She always sends positive messages. It's unbelievable how positive she can be in a situation like that. I think of another woman, Claudia, in Florida, with a brain tumor. I don't know how good it looks, but she's always encouraging. Praying for other people. What? 
Not saying, oh, pray for me, pray for me. Praying for others. Thinking about others. Others, other people's welfare. So much more important to them than their own. So we got three. We got Paul the Apostle, we got Cindy, and we got Claudia. How about you? I could ask the question, how about me? Sometimes I'm just a big baby. I'm just crying. I don't like what's going on. (laughs) Got to come out of that. Start thinking. You know, the best way to help your own situation, think about the circumstances of others. Be a blessing to someone else, and that blessing will come back on self. So Paul demonstrated what he said a little later in the letter, where he said in chapter 2, do not merely look out for your own personal interests but also for the interests of others. He's demonstrating that now, though he wrote about it later for them to read. That's what's so great about Paul. He he really did what he said. Oh, yeah. So in Philippians 1, verse 12, he explains his situation in the Roman jail. He said, Now I want you to know, brethren, as brothers in Christ, that my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel. Now, talk about being heavenly minded. You think, Paul, you're in, you're in a Roman jail. How, how can you be progressing the gospel? You're confined. You're stuck. But Paul's no, Paul's heavenly minded. He understands that God is using him right where he is. You know the word progress? It's the word prokope, and it means advancement. So what did he say again? My circumstances have turned out for the greater progress or the greater advancement of the gospel. Now this word, prokope, it was used for those who go before the army, who cut down trees making a road for the army to pass. Right? When when many times when armies went out to battle, they came across a forest. They send out the woodcutters and they clear a path. And then the army could advance. Something like the sea bees of our day. Right? Who were the sea bees? They were those that went out and built roads for our military. They sent them out first. And they built roads and, and made transportation possible for our soldiers. The letters CB stands for construction battalion. <clears throat> and that's what they did. They were construction workers. And they went out before the troops. And they made roads and paved the way. So Paul is saying, my circumstances are like that. They are paving the way for the advancement of the Gospels. See, actually, Paul's bonds destroyed the barriers. Paul's imprisonment opened up the door for the Gospel to be preached to the Roman Praetorian God. That was the imperial god of Rome. These were like the Navy Seals of Rome, the Green Beret, the Rangers, okay? They were the elite forces of Rome. And Paul is saying, no, the gospel's still going out. And you know who it's going out to? These guys. That's who. In verse 13, he said, My imprisonment in the cause of Christ has become well known throughout the whole Praetorian God and to everyone else. Now, he uses the word imprisonment, which is the word for shackles or chains. 
And what's he saying? He's saying, you know, when Paul was in this prison apartment, okay, he was constantly chained to a Roman soldier. And every time there was a shift, change, a new soldier would come and take the other soldier's place. (laughs) They had to listen to Paul and he would preach to them. And the visitors heard Paul preaching as well. So Paul had like a captive audience. And what's he saying? Hey, man, I got these guys one-on-one. That's okay. They can't go anywhere. Why? They're chained to me. They're the prisoner, not me. (laughs) Paul's saying, I'm not the prisoner. They are. They're chained to me. They can't leave. They have to listen to the gospel. And you know what? Many of them did. Many of them accepted. Then what did they do? They went home and told their family. I got a feeling there's a lot of Roman soldiers from the first century. They're in heaven today because of the Apostle Paul. See, in prison, Paul didn't see the curse. He saw the blessing. God brought people to him to hear the message. Now, think of the people God brings into your life. Is it a coincidence? Or is it a divine appointment? I try to look intentionally at circumstances and, 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 you know, I'll be honest with you, get up the courage to witness to them. And sometimes I do, and sometimes I don't feel it's right, or I'm just chicken. I don't know. But I find myself more and more being more forward with strangers that might cross my path, seeking an opportunity to share Christ with them. And what's so good about that is the more you do it, the more bolder you become and the better you get at it. And what this did to the other Christians, this gave the other Christians boldness in their faith that if Paul is witnessing to the soldiers that are guarding him and the soldiers are what? Oh, they're like the oppressors. Well, that gave the other Christians in Philippi boldness to share their faith as well, even though they were surrounded by oppressors too as Christians. By the way, most of the, a lot of the Philippians, they were at one time Roman soldiers. They were retired. So they kind of had a taste of both worlds. So in verse 14, Paul said that most of the brethren, trusting in the Lord because of my imprisonment, have far more courage to speak the word of God without fear. So a couple of good things are happening because Paul is in a Roman apartment jail. Number one, The soldiers that are watching him are hearing the gospel, and many are receiving it and taking it home. Number two, other people are becoming bold to share it as well. Because if Paul is having success, they figured, hey, we can come out of our little cocoons and share the gospel without fear as well. See, here's the thing about bravery or boldness. It's contagious. Bravery is contagious. Oh, and so is fear. Fear is contagious too. So you know what I would say? Get around brave people. Don't get around fearful, complaining people. You know what that's going to do for you? Nothing. Nothing. Nothing at all. Get around bold people in their faith. Brave people in their faith. And it's going to be contagious. And it's going to affect you and your walk as well. Now, we said this was about humility. Here is where Paul's humility really begins to shine even more. 
Paul inspired others to share the gospel. But sometimes their motives weren't the best motives. And we have that today. We have people preaching in the name of Christ with wrong motives. Okay? So in verse 15, Paul said, Some, to be sure, are preaching Christ. Well, that's good. But then he said, Oh, they're preaching from envy and from strife. Oh, that's bad. They're preaching Christ. That's good. They're preaching from envy and strife. That's bad. One man calls this the lowest of motives. You can't get any lower than that. He said, but some also from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. In other words, these are people that preach out of love and they support me. And then he said, but the former, they proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition. In other words, for what they can get rather than from pure motives, thinking to cause me distress in my imprisonment. Now, what is selfish ambition? It's really one word, erethia. And it means they built themselves up by knocking Paul down. That's what that means. Building themselves up by knocking Paul down. You know, that's a weak way to make yourself look good by making someone else look bad, right? We see that in politics, don't we? Vote for me because that guy's a rat. Vote for me because they're no good. (laughs) I'd rather hear more about the issues. I want to hear about policies. I don't care about the person's personality. I want to know what they're going to do. What are they going to do with their leadership? What are their personalities? What's their platform? That's what's important to me. Not how do they comb their hair, do they use nice words. No, how are they going to lead? That's the important thing. And you know, humility says, I don't care what people say about me. If they're preaching Christ, that's all that matters. That's what Paul is saying. You know, there are two things that are bad for the heart. Running upstairs and running down people. And some people, they build themselves up by knocking others down. That's not right. That's, that's, that's weak mindedness. Right? Build yourself up by doing good things. Not by running other people down. Later on, Paul will remind the Philippians. He says, listen, here's how you set your, set your brain. Whatever is true. Whatever is honorable. Whatever is right. Whatever is pure. Whatever is lovely. Whatever is of a good report, if there is any excellence and anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. That's how he closes the last chapter that we'll be looking at a few days from now, chapter 4. So now enter Paul's humility, verse 18. Paul said, what then? Okay, we got some guys, they're preaching Christ from good motives. We got some guys, they're preaching Christ from bad motives. They're running me down to make themselves look good. Paul says, what then? What should I make of this? How should I handle this situation? Oh, I know. Verse 18, only that and in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed 
and in this I rejoice. And yes, I will rejoice. Wow. Paul is saying, you know what? It's not about me. It's about Christ. How often do we ask ourselves, how should I think about this situation? Paul did. He said, now, how should I think about this? These people that are, you know, preaching Christ and stealing my followers and running me down. How should I think about this? And he thought about it. And he said, hey, if they're preaching Christ, I'm going to put a period at the end of the sentence. Whatever follows, I don't care. doesn't matter because it's not about me. So we need to ask ourselves, how do I think about this if this happens to me? It is so dangerously easy to just react to things. Better to be quick to think and slow to speak. Paul didn't see himself at all in this scenario. All he saw was Jesus. What? He didn't see himself. All he saw was Jesus. He said, people people preaching Christ? Yep. But Paul, they're running you down. They're saying you're a false teacher. They're saying if you're a bad guy, that's why you're in jail. Wait a minute. They're preaching Christ? Yep. That's all that matters. Yeah, but Paul, they're stealing your people. Wait. They're preaching Christ? Yep. That's it. That's all. I don't care about anything else. They're preaching Christ. That's all that matters. That's all that matters to me. God will do what God needs to do. But as far as I'm concerned, they're preaching Christ. That's good enough for me. Man, you realize how helpful that is? How freeing that is, especially for pastors today where, where, you know, I don't know why, but there seems to be dog-eat-dog world in ministry today, and I don't know why that goes on. That shouldn't go on. Shouldn't be dog-eat-dog in Christianity. But Paul understood all of his life was about Christ. He understood, hey, get this, all of life is about Christ, even his life. William Barclay said, that Paul lifted the matter beyond personalities. Yeah, and I say he lifted it beyond himself. He took himself out of the equation. The equation is Christ. That's all that mattered. It didn't matter to him what they thought about him and what they said about him because his job was to what? Preach Christ. That's it. All that mattered to him was that Jesus was being preached to people that were lost. Now, that's humility. The, the, his humility, the ability to take yourself out of the situation. Did you get that? Humility. The ability to take yourself out of the situation. So, when you're serving God... God is the focal point. And what they think about you, who cares? You shouldn't. You know, you know why? It's not about you. Nor is it about me. Now, these are hard lessons to learn. I never, I wish I learned these things many years ago. I'm just starting to understand them now. So let me give you an action point. And the action point comes from the end of the letter, chapter four, verse nine. Here's what he said. And by the way, there should always be an action point. We don't learn for the sake of filling our head with knowledge. We learn for the sake of ordering our lives. So Paul said, 
the things you've learned and received and heard and seen in me? Practice these things. Hmm. And the God of peace will be with you. So Paul is saying, I've shown you four ways. You, you've learned from me. You received from me. You've heard from me. And you've seen in me. So now, everything you've learned, received, heard, and seen, practice them. Practice means do it continually. Not when you're in a good mood. Not when you feel like it. Not when it's Sunday. Practice. Practice is an ongoing activity. Practice re- Success requires practice, right? Whatever you practice at, you'll get really good at. And Paul is saying the reward will be the God of peace or the God who gives peace will be with you. And isn't that what we want? Peace in the storm? Yeah, when things look like, oh, they're running me down, they're working against me, there's walls in front of me. The God of peace will give you peace. Circumstances don't matter. The peace of God is what matters. That's what we're after. God's peace. So Paul is teaching us a wonderful lesson today. How to get the thing we really want. Because let's face it, the thing we really want is peace. And Paul is telling us, listen, you want peace? That's beautiful. Guess what? God is the God of peace. And God wants you to have peace. And this is all you need to do to get it. Oh, time flies when you're having fun. I am. I like these things. I need these lessons for me, let me tell you. If you weren't here, that's okay. I'd be talking to myself. So next time we open up the letter, we turn the next page to chapter two. True teamwork. Oh, how important is that? I'm going to talk to all you Lone Ranger Christians out there. Show you what God has to say through the Apostle on how to operate in true teamwork. Hey, don't forget to join me later at the Hope Club Podcast. This will be uploaded soon, and you can get it on demand anytime. The Hope Club Podcast. And don't forget about joining the Hope Club, where you can get an email every day, devotional email. Go to newhoperadio7.live. Click the menu bar. It's all there, how to join the Hope Club, and it'll be a blessing for you and for me as well. So I hope you'll do that. Thank you for coming along today. I'll see you next time for, for more of New Hope Radio.